Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Amen. If you have it, uh, have First Chronicles chapter number four. Do me a favor and say, I got it. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. It says, now Jabez, everybody say Jabez. Now look at your neighbor, neighbor and say, that's ghetto. Amen. His name is not Jabez. It is Yabez. Amen. <laughs> but for the sake of preaching, <laughs> so I don't confuse y'all and y'all think I'm talking about somebody else. Uh, <laughs> we'll call him Jabez today. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. So Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. And that your hand would be with me. That you would keep me from evil. That I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called. Hmm. Look at this really quickly. I want to point this out. It's not in my notes, so I'm going to say it here parenthetically. It says, and his mother called his name. But the beginning of verse 10 says, and Jabez called on God. Both of them were in the midst of pain. Both of them needed a blessing. But when Jabez's mother needed a blessing, the Bible says she called Jabez a name. And when Jabez needed a blessing, the Bible says he called on the name. That's interesting. And Jabez said, oh, that you would bless me indeed, that you would enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Amen. I want to preach for a little while you may be seated I want to preach for a little while using as a subject the God of Abraham Isaac Jacob and the racially profiled <laughs> amen the God of Abraham Isaac Jacob and the racially profiled amen. it was on set, uh, April 12 2018 that Rashawn Nelson and Dante Robinson decided to have a meeting with a potential business partner at the second heaven known as Starbucks Coffee. They were in the Rittenhouse Square neighborhood of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and they had no idea that on that day, at that Starbucks, their lives would be changed forever. 
They should have known something was wrong when Rashawn was told by the manager that he couldn't use the restroom because he wasn't a paying customer. But when the staff repeatedly came by the table asking if they needed help. But it wasn't, a few, it wasn't until a few minutes later that a few of Philly's finest entered into the coffee shop and started walking in their direction. That the events that shocked people around the nation were captured on video as Mr. Nelson and Mr. Robinson in a Starbucks that Mr. Robinson had visited since he was 15 years old were arrested. The young men were educated. They were relatively well-dressed. They were polite, even though it was clear that the staff at that Starbucks did not want them there. But there was only one problem. They were young and they were black. Because of this, it was assumed that they did not belong there and that they were up to no good. And even though the aftermath of this incident resulted in a large, undisclosed settlement for the young men, and Starbucks across the nation shut down for racial sensitivity training, whatever that is, this incident, along with countless others, sheds a light on the reality of racial profiling in the United States of America. Benjamin T. Jealous, the former president of the NAACP, says this about racial profiling. Racial profiling punishes innocent individuals for the past actions of those who look and sound like them. In other words, end quote, racial profiling allows me to assume that you are worthy of my suspicion just because of the color of your skin. This hit home for me in uh, a real way after the events last weekend in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio. And even as recently as this week, a man was arrested in full body armor, walking into a Walmart in Springfield, Missouri. And it perplexes me because I'm trying to figure out why these white men were able to walk down the streets of Dayton, Ohio, or enter into a Walmart in El Paso, Texas with full body armor, ammunition, and assault rifles without being stopped or engaged by the police until after shots were fired. When a Harvard professor like Henry Louis Gates can be arrested for trying to get into his own home. How does a racially motivated shooter in El Paso or the heavily armed man in Springfield or Dylan Roof after murdering the members of Mother Emanuel in South Carolina, how are they able to be arrested without incident when a little boy like Tamir Rice can be shot for playing cops and robbers by himself outside? Or Mike Brown can be killed while unarmed because a poorly trained and emotionally unstable Darren Wilson claimed to fear for his life. And I know that there are preachers who feel like this, uh, this topic is not supposed to be addressed in the pulpit. But if we're really going to be God's prophets in this season, we have to address the sickness that pervades the conscience of America. You got to understand that it is not the prophet's job to promise you a house. It is not the prophet's job to promise you a car. It's not the prophet's job to tell you that by this time tomorrow, you're going to come out that situation. It is the prophet's job to prick the unstable and unscathed conscience of an injustice nation and ask the 
question that even though we need to address the ap epidemic of mass shootings in America, why haven't we addressed that a part of confronting the reality of mass shootings in these yet-to-be United States means that we have to confront the reality of racial profiling. And the reality of racial profiling is that an angry man is allowed to arm himself and walk down the street as if he is going to fight in Afghanistan or wear a neo-Nazi uniform and go marching down the streets of Charlottesville without being bothered as long as he is white. But you can be walking home with Skittles and an Arizona tea in your pocket and be shot to death or be sitting in Starbucks in a suit minding your own business and go to jail if you're black and the truth is that even if you don't want to talk about racial profiling everybody in this room has had to live every day with labels that have been assigned to you because of situations that are beyond your control many of us have had to work harder and do more because of the circumstances of our birth and we have been placed in a position where we are behind the eight ball trying to make it and the question that many of us have is this how do we live when we are being judged for a situation that we didn't choose and we cannot change God help me I don't know who I'm preaching to but is there anybody here that can say I, I don't know what to do because I'm fighting to be respected because of the color of my skin or because of the neighborhood I come from or because of my gender and it seems that society has labeled me and that label is threatening to keep me from doing or being what I know God has made me to do and be God help me does anybody know what it's like to be labeled God help me does anybody know what it's like for people to judge you before they ever hear your voice before they ever hear you say a sentence just because they read your name on a piece of paper or because they claim to know the neighborhood that you came from even though they know your neighborhood they don't know your nature they don't know your story they don't know where you come from and the reality is many of us know what it's like to live with labels man-made definitions that try to deter us from destiny words that people have spoken over our lives because of the families that we come from or because of the schools that we went to or because of the issues of our past and whether it be through racial profiling or through religious oppression we live in a society that will label us based on their own biases God help me because they have a problem with you or because they don't like who you are they will place a label on you and attempt to limit you based on that label but even though we live in a society that will attempt to label us based on their biases beloved we serve a God who has the power to lift us beyond our labels God help me oh let me say it again because you missed it even though we live in a society that will try to label us and then limit us based on those labels the beauty of your life and of my life is that we serve a God that has the power to lift us up beyond our labels it does not matter who you are or where you come from if you're black or if you're from the hood or if your parents got a divorce if you grew up in a broken home when God gets involved in your life he has the power to do something with you that no one would have ever thought possible God help me if there is any thing that we can learn from this book called the Bible it is that when God involves himself in your story the circumstances of your birth can't hinder the hope of your future God help me God has a way of changing heartbreaks into happy endings as a matter of fact is there anybody here who knows that you
you are here right now seated and in the sanctuary and in your right mind you haven't lost it because people attempted to label you and confine you to a box of their own creation but God lifted you up beyond your label God help me is there anybody here that can say I've defied the statistics God help me I'm not what people said I would be God help me every black man that's over the age of 23 in Duval County ought to raise your hand because if you've lived past the age of 23 then you've survived the statistics is there anybody here that can say I serve a God who is able to lift me up beyond what I've been labeled by y'all ain't feeling me let me preach and go on home look uh, that is the lesson that I want to lift from this particular passage of scripture we we live in a society hear me that will label us based on their biases but God has the power to lift us up beyond our label and in first chronicles the bible is taking the time to let us see the genealogies of the people of God it's often an overlooked portion of scripture people try to skip past these chapters in chronicles until the quote-unquote action gets started but in chapter 4 we're allowed to see specifically the genealogy of the tribe of Judah Judah as many of us know means praise everybody say praise but what is interesting to me is that nestled within the history of the people of praise is a portrait of a man's pain because the Bible stops abruptly. God help me. Let me pause there parenthetically and let you know that you can't have a praise story without some moments of pain. God help me. Uh, 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 within the story of the people of Judah, within the genealogy of Judah, God pauses to tell us about a story of pain in the midst of a story about praise. And some of us don't know how to handle the fact that sometimes during our journey of worshiping God, we're going to have to deal with moments of pain. God help me. That sometimes things will be good. Oh God help me. But then God will introduce something that doesn't feel so good and command us to still praise him in the midst of the pain. God help me. Uh, that's for another message. But the Bible stops abruptly uh, while listing off the genealogy of Judah and introduces us to a man that we have never heard about before in scripture and that we will never hear about again in scripture a man by the name of Jabez the Bible says now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called him Jabez saying because I bore him in pain but I believe that it, that we can find joy in this genealogy because even though Jabez has been mislabeled by his mother Jabez has an encounter with God that changes his story and the reality is that this radical life-changing God is not just the God of the Old Testament he is not just the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob he is not even just the God of Jabez but he is also the God of people like you and I who because of prejudice have been improperly labeled and the hope that is presented to us in the pages of Scripture is that just like Jabez if we place our trust in God he will lift us up beyond our labels God help me uh, and I believe that we can glean some things we can glean some things from the story of Jabez number one the first thing we have to see about Jabez is that Jab Jabez was labeled because of a situation that was beyond
beyond his control. God help me. Uh, Jabez uh, was labeled by a situation because of a situation rather that was beyond his control because the Bible says and his mother called him Jabez. Why did she do it? Because I bore him in pain. Uh, now you got to understand, I, 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 I've seen both of my children be born and there is nothing, nothing in the world. I'm so glad uh, that God uh, put that grace on, on the lives of women and not on me. There is no pain uh, like the pain of childbirth. Matter of fact, uh, the first one, uh, Tamia, my wife got drugged up a little bit. Matter of fact, they gave her a little too much. But the second one, Junior, came so fast uh, that she didn't really get to get all of that epidural in her before he started coming out. So he came out and I heard her say, oh, and it was an oh that I had never heard before because that pain. That wasn't the oh of worship. It wasn't, it wasn't the oh of praise. It wasn't the oh, shut up behind you. It wasn't that. It was oh, God. Uh, because there is pain involved in childbirth. But when Jabez's mother, hear me clearly. I want to teach you something. Uh, when Jabez's mother says, I bore him in pain, the Hebrew word there, otzeb, does not mean the pain of labor. It means emotional grief, mental anguish, or the pain of worry. So literally, she is saying that the circumstances of his birth were so disruptive to me emotionally that I'm not able to get past it. This is important because the naming of a child was significant. Because the naming of a child spoke to the prophetic forecast of the character of that child or to the person that, that that child would become in God. So instead of naming Jabez in accordance with what he could be, the mother says, because there is so much pain surrounding the circumstances of his birth, I'm going to name him Jabez because every time I look at him, I am reminded about the fact that his situation was jacked up. And it's proven to me in the text because in the entire genealogy given to us in First Chronicles, Jabez's mother is one of only two women that name their child. In the Hebrew culture, uh, the father had the right to pronounce the name over the child. Uh, it, it was the father's job to pronounce the name. Now, you find it again in 1 Chronicles chapter 7. The mother names the child, but she does it with the father's permission because the father is present. Jabez is the only one in 1 Chronicles who is born while his daddy's not there. God help me. Uh, Jabez's father is not around. When he's born. So could it be that the absence of the father has led to the emotional agitation of the mother? Because she never thought that she would have to raise this little boy without his daddy being there. God help me. Uh, she's agitated because the circumstances surrounding his birth have led to a situation where now she's got to be a single parent raising a boy who has caused her or rather who has given her labor pain in the midst of her emotional anguish. And the Bible says that she called his name, Jabez. Now, the reason why it's important 
that we understand that the Hebrew pronunciation of the name is not Jabez, but it is Yabez. Because Yabez is a cultural equivalent of the Hebrew word Yaseb. And Yaseb means he causes pain. God help me. Uh, so his mother, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, if, if you got a boy and uh, his name is Jotham, for instance, and you got a girl and her name is Josephine, uh, you'll call the boy Joe, J-O-E, but you'll call the girl J-O. It is a cultural equivalent. So when she calls him Jabez, it is the equivalent of Yaseb. It means he brings pain. Yeah, she's given him a name that says wherever he goes, he brings pain. Uh, 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 let, let me press my claim a little bit further. Jabez now is in the current predicament that he is in because he had a parent who could not properly process her pain. And because he had a parent that could not properly process her pain, she mishandled an opportunity to deposit destiny into her child. And what do you do, beloved, when you find yourself in need of a blessing? Not because of a mistake you made, but because someone who was supposed to deposit destiny into you mishandled you. God help me. Y'all don't want to be real in this black church, but uh, how long have we covered up abuse for folk and made ourselves feel like we were the cause of our pain? And, and I, know, I know I don't have any problem accepting responsibility. God, I can tell you when I've done something wrong, but for real though, God, this one ain't my fault. God help me. Do I have a witness in the building that you can look at your life and say there were some things that have happened and have transpired inspired in my life that genuinely are not my fault. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be suspicious of everybody. I don't want to act this way. I don't want to be destructive in relationships. But there was something that happened to me. There was a moment where my mama should have did something. A moment where my father should have been there. A moment where they shouldn't have left me by myself with that cousin. And I was mishandled. And because I was mishandled, it has created something in me that only God uh, I feel like preaching has the power to fix this this one is not my fault Jabez is in need of a blessing because his mother mishandled a moment God help me and I want to talk to every parent I want to talk to every person in here who is responsible for raising a child that's why you got to exercise godly wisdom that's why you can't allow your parenting style to be influenced by the culture of the world you can't be like the real housewives of Potomac you can't be like like loving basketball. You've got to learn how to raise your children according to the word of God. And let me speak to millennials for just a moment. We, we talk a lot about the things we want in life and we're very idealistic and we like to talk about a lot of stuff and there's a conversation now about how much time we should spend in church versus how much time we should spend with our family and that's a good conversation to have. I have that conversation with pastors all the time. Don't pastor your church at the expense of your family but can I talk to most of y'all and be real with y'all for a second I wouldn't be Pastor Josh if I didn't keep it real with you most of you aren't even close to having an imbalance between God and your family most of y'all don't come to church enough you don't serve enough you don't give enough you're not generous enough you don't have a good enough praise to be worried about being imbalanced God says you need to teach your children how to serve God because if you teach your children how to serve and respect and honor God then when they grow up they won't have a problem respecting 
expecting you. But if you say you love God and you tell him it's okay to miss church because you're tired. I understand if you don't want to give because you're broke. I understand if you don't want to serve because your feet hurt. Then when you tell them to do something, they won't listen to you. Because if they don't have to respect this book and this book said he's the creator of everything, what make you think that they're going to listen to you? You got to learn how to parent your children and raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Balance only comes when there is a weight and a counterweight. Balance is established when there's weight on this side and then there's equal weight on this side. And most of you have weight on the side of self, but not weight on the side of service to God. You want to weight down this side with your relationships and your kids and with their activities and with their soccer games and with your ambition and with your boyfriend and with your girlfriend. You want to do it all on this side, but then you come to church on Sunday, put a dollar in the offering and give God a raggedy hand clap and want to talk about you got balance. The devil is a liar. You got to learn how to serve the law. We are raising children who will have to experience pain because we are mishandling moments to show them how much God is worth. God help me. Your raggedy testimony could be the reason why your children are rebellious because they see you shouting in church and then gossiping when you leave here. They see you lifting your hands and then lying when you leave here. They see you shouting and then lying on your taxes when you leave here. But maybe if you learn how to serve God and give them a good example, they would treat you better if you treat God better. I hope somebody put that on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, y'all put closing clips on Facebook, but put that on. I need somebody to see that. Some trifling parent that's wondering why their kids won't obey them. You need to understand that if you teach your children how to respect God, they'll learn how to respect you. Jabez's mother named him because she bore him in pain. Not according to the beauty of his potential, but rather according to the bias of her situation. And Jabez naming then teaches us two things. Number one, and I got to move quickly. Number one, uh, you're not required to wear the weight of people's problems with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You are not required to wear the weight of a person's problem with you. If they got a problem with you, let them have it. Yeah. If if they got an issue with you, let them have it. Stop walking around mad and guilty and worn down because people have a problem with you that they won't articulate to you, but they'll tell everybody about. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I tell you, I, I live by a rule. I live by a rule. If I know I didn't do nothing to you, I don't care how much you say, I don't care how much you post. I don't care how much you throw out. Until you tag me or show up at my house, I'm not taking it personal. Because if you ain't got the courage to confront me, I don't got the time to worry about you. God help me. I can't wear the weight of your problems. I I can't wear the weight of your discontent. I can't be mad at me because you don't like yourself. And so you're trying to direct your self-hatred at me. But not only... Does Jabez naming teach us that 
we're not required to wear the weight of people's problems with us. But it also teaches us that truly trusting in God means believing that he can handle the parts of you that have been mishandled. <sighs> I, I, I got to work here for a moment. Oh, look, it's easy for us to trust God with the parts of our lives that we're not sensitive about. It's easy for us to trust God with the parts of our lives that aren't sore because somebody else touched us the wrong way. Yeah. And typically the things that we don't want to surrender are sore spots in our lives that we feel like we've got to protect ourselves. But you got to understand that God is God enough not only to handle the holy you, but he's able to handle the mishandled you. God, help me. Oh, God, the, the, the part of you that's been abused, the part of you that's been neglected, the part of you that has to have some Hennessy every now and then, the part of you that smoked a little weed, the part of you that's a little nasty, the part of you that likes to lie sometimes and gossips and gets joy out of seeing the pain of others, the part of you that is petty, the part of you that is rude. God can't just handle the holy you. And we try to present a front in church as if the only part of us that God can see is the part we give him when we're in here. Yeah. But you do know that the same God that receives your tongues in church sees how you talk when you get home. God, help me. The same presence that you stand in here. It's also the same presence that's by your bed when you pick up that phone and you're getting ready to send a message you ain't got no business sending. The om omnipresence of God means that he is everywhere at the same time. Yeah. And so many of us want to give God a holy version of us. But you don't understand that there is no holiness without honesty. Yeah. There is no transformation without transparency. You've got to be honest with the Lord about who you are. All right. So Jabez was labeled because of a situation that was beyond his control. Yeah. But the Bible tells us that even though Jabez had been mishandled and mislabeled, he had already defied the odds because the Bible says in verse 9 that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Huh. Huh. So then Jabez was labeled as someone who brought pain wherever he went. But in spite of his label, the Bible declares and starts off the text by saying that he's still more honorable than his brothers. God, help me. Oh, God, you missed it. Uh, he, 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 he is a pain bringer. God, help me. He is labeled as someone who messes up every situation he gets into. But even though. 
His mama named him wrong. He's still more honorable, God help me, than his brothers. Jabez now is about to ask God for a blessing. But I believe that the Bible wants us to see that even though Jabez is not where he wants to be, God help me, he's still better off than he should be, God help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but we should be able to thank God because even though we're not where we desire, we're still better off than we deserve, God help me. The Bible says that Jabez is supposed to be a pain bringer, but God has allowed him to bring honor, God help me. He's more honorable than everybody around him. And I wanna preach to somebody in the building today who is glad that even though you're not everything that you want to be you're grateful to God that you still have defied the statistics you still have defied the odds you shouldn't be where you are God has lifted you up God has made a way for you God has done something awesome in your life but uh that's all the time I got oh lord I got to hurry up the Hebrew word then for, for brothers, uh, is also interpreted, hear me, brethren, bloodline, or genealogy. So when the text says that Jabez, the pain bringer, was more honorable than his brothers, it is not just saying that Jabez was the best of a jacked up family. What the writer Ezra, the chronicler, is telling us is that if you look at all of those names in verses 1 through 8 that come before Jabez and the names that come after him in verses 11 through 23, Jabez stands out as being more honorable than anybody in his bloodline. God help me. Which means that God is trying to teach us that it does not matter what people name you when God is working behind the scenes of your life. He can bless you with something that is bigger than your bloodline. God help me. Oh, see now, if you acting like you came from the Brady Bunch or, or from the Cosby Show or from the Partridge family or if you was a part of the Proud family, uh, uh, then, then, then this is not for you. But if you come from a family that sometimes you're ashamed of, that sometimes you don't want to go to your family reunion because you're afraid of the drama that's going to get started. If your mama don't like your daddy and they didn't last in marriage and every now and then you start getting a little testy because you've never seen what a happy family is supposed to look like. God says through Jabez that he has the ability, God help me here, to give you a blessing that's bigger than your bloodline. And is there anybody here who can look at your family and see everything that's jacked up about them but then look at yourself and have the faith to declare it's going to be me God help me I, I don't know let me pause there for a moment I feel like preaching just touch somebody if you got faith and tell them it's going to be me it's, it's going to be me I'm going to be the first one I, I'm going to be the first one to have a happy marriage I'm going to be the first one uh, to go all the way and get my degree I'm going to be the first one to not have to get addicted to something to find deliverance I'm going to be the first one to serve my creator in the days of my youth I'm going to be the first one look at somebody again and say it's going to be me I'm going to be the homeowner I'm going to be the business owner I'm going to be the blessed one because God is going to give me something that is bigger than my bloodline Jabez be seated please Jabez 
teaches us that if you want something different than what you have been labeled as, then you've got to respond differently than the person you were labeled by. Yeah. Jabez teaches us that if you want something different than what you were labeled as, then you've got to respond differently than the person you were labeled by. Verse 10 starts off this way. Now Jabez called on the God of Israel. Let me say it again. Jabez called on the God of Israel. Okay, look. Jabez's mom, at the beginning of verse 9, declares that when she was in a painful situation where she clearly needed the Lord, she decided to take her frustration with her life out on her son and gave him a name that he would have to live with for the rest of his life. But then verse 10 says that years later, when the mislabeled son finds himself at the end of his rope, I believe that he reflects on his history and says, when my mother was here, she called me a name. But in this situation, I'm going to call on the name. Because verse 10 says that he called on the God of Israel. God help me. Oh Lord, he, he called on the God of Israel. Why is that important, Pastor Josh? Why does the chronicler Ezra uh, give a distinction? Because you have to understand now that Ezra is writing First and Second Chronicles as a history book for people who have been disenfranchised through enslavement in Babylon. The Bible lets us know that because Israel had sinned, that God allowed them to be taken captive by the enemies of Babylon. But now, uh, because Babylon has been defeated by the Persian Empire and the Persia has decided to let the children of Israel go back home. Ezra and Nehemiah are getting ready to reinstitute uh, Israel as a nation and Ezra is recounting their history and he wants them to know that Jabez called on the Lord God of Israel. God help me, you haven't got it yet. Uh, Pastor Josh, why is it important that he identifies him as the Lord God of Israel? Well, the people who were coming back to Jerusalem, the people who were coming back to the city of God had grown up in a Babylonian and Persian system where there were many gods that a person could call on. All of them were not, were not devout followers of the Lord God of Israel. So Ezra had to identify God as the God of Israel so that they would know that even though there are many gods in the culture that you can call on, there is only one God that is qualified to come see about you and fix your problem. God help me. Oh God, and I don't know who I'm preaching to, but somebody needs to know that we live in a nation that is being divided by people who are calling each other names. God help me. From the church house to the White House. And many of us are sitting in the sanctuary 
and how wounded by things that people have said to us in the midst of tension and pain but what separates the people of God from the rest of the people in the world is that while others lash out God help me believers reach out God help me and is there anybody here who is glad that in times of pain when you're in need of a blessing you have a God that you can call on God help me I don't know who I'm preaching to but is there anybody that's glad about the fact that while everybody is calling on somebody to fix their problems God help me believers have a God that they can call God help me there are so many candidates in the Democratic presidential race so many of them think that they have an answer to the country's problems and so many people are looking at Donald Trump as if he is the cause and the genesis and the creator of racism in the nation and that hate started with him and they weren't be killing black people 400 years ago uh, before there was ever a Walmart shooter but God told me to tell you that while Republicans are calling on Trump uh, and Democrats don't know who they gonna call on you got a God uh, that you can cry out to uh, is there anybody here uh, who has decided that in the midst of my pain in the midst of my problems in the midst of my frustration I'm going to call on the Lord God help me because I've seen Jabez says what happens when you call on somebody else's name I see what happens saw what happens rather when my mother was looking to call on my father and my father wasn't there she ended up starting a cycle that I could only trust God to break but I've decided that this time I'm going to call on the Lord and is there anybody here who can say that that's your testimony that's your resolution that is your declaration this time I'm gonna call on God I would love to talk to my mother but mama can't fix it I would love to talk to my daddy but daddy can't help me I would love to get on the phone with a senator but a senator can't stop it I would love to talk to the president of the NRA about gun violence but he can't stop it this time Lord have mercy I'm calling on the Lord and the Bible says in Jeremiah 33 and 3 call unto me and I will answer you God help me and I will show you great and mighty things that you know it's not Uh, Lord help Uh, Jabez calls on the God of Israel and in doing so the Bible says that he prays a prayer that asks God to lift him beyond his label Jabez wants God to allow him to defy statistics he knows that what his mother thought about him and what his relatives Think about him. (laughs) Call him a pain bringer. He knows that he's never quite fit in. That he's been doing the best that he can. But now he's asking God. to, To do. What he can't do. For himself. Yeah. He's been able. To make the best of a bad situation. But God didn't call him to make the best of a bad situation. God called him to be blessed in spite of a bad situation. But Jabez understands that he cannot bless himself. And so the Bible says that he opens up his mouth and he asks the Lord to give him a blessing. Look at the text, verse 10, and I'm done. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. And enlarge 
my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain. Jabez asked God for three things and I'm in my seat. Uh, first of all, Jabez asked the Lord to give him a mind-blowing blessing. Yeah. He asked God to give him a mind-blowing blessing. Look what he says. He says, not just bless me, but he says, bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Literally, what he's asking God for is a blessing that is so enormous, that is so mind-blowing, that is so exponential in its delivery that no one will be able to deny that God did this for Jabez. God, help me. Oh, uh, Lord, I don't know who I'm preaching to. Uh, but God says, or Jabez says, rather, God, I need to give you something that is so extraordinary. Give me something that is so extraordinary that everyone around me will have to concede that God did it. And, and this is a season, beloved, I hope the spirit that's on me gets on you because this is a season where I've decided not to be afraid to ask God for extraordinary blessings because I serve a God who is powerful enough to handle my big. God, help me. I, I don't know who I'm preaching to. Oh, look, but do me a favor now uh, before I get excited. I need y'all to help me preach so I can finish the message because if you don't, I'll get excited excited and end up shouting because I need you to touch somebody and tell them he can handle your big. God help me. Oh God he can handle your big. God is not afraid of your big. God is not afraid for you to ask him for something that eyes have not seen and that ears have not heard. See you've allowed people to make you feel like God is intimidated by you. That God is afraid or offended when you ask him for something that you know you don't deserve. That you know you can't do on your own but the Bible says that Jabez said Lord don't just bless me because the devil can bless God help me the government can bless God help me the welfare system can bless the NRA can bless me with a donation but only you can bless me indeed Lord help me only you have the power to give me something so large that people will look at my life and look at my qualifications and look at where I come from and look Look at what my mama said and look at what my daddy did and they'll say that boy is blessed and only God can do that is there anybody here that can say I'm expecting something big from God I'm expecting God to do something for me that nobody else has the power to do I'm expecting God to do his speciality what is God's specialty God specializes in things that seem impossible and he will do what no other power is able to do. He, he asked God, God help me. I got to finish this message. Can y'all give me five more minutes? Uh, he says then, he says then, I need God to give me a mind-blowing blessing. But then secondly, not only does Jabez ask the Lord to give him a mind-blowing blessing, but he asked God to grace him with his divine hand. Lord, help me. He asked God to grace him with his divine hand. He says, all oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me. Oh, God. Uh, he, he says, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. And most of us, as 21st century Christians, would stop there. But Jabez 
does not simply ask for the blessings of God, but he also asks for the presence of God. Because Jabez understands that presence from the king means nothing without the presence of the king. God help me. Uh, and this is what separates true believers from people who are using God for what they believe they can get. Uh, users want a hand up, but true or a hand out, but true believers want his hands on. God help me. You missed it. Let me say it again. Uh, users want God's hand out. Uh, oh God, but true believers want God's hand hand on and is there anybody here that can say I need God's hand to be with me uh, I need God's hand to be I don't want him to just give me stuff but I want his presence God help me the Bible says that the people of God had frustrated God and God was getting ready to leave them in the wilderness he told Moses he says look these people are a stiff necked people and I will not strive with them any longer but instead I'm going to send an angel to lead them and Moses Moses says, no, God, don't send an angel with us. But how will we be distinguished from all the peoples of the earth? Save your presence goes with us. God, help me. You have to understand now that Moses was operating under the belief, as all Hebrews were, that God dispatched angels to govern different territories throughout the earth, that there were angels everywhere. So anybody, God, help me, could be accompanied by an angel if they were in the angel's territory. We understand this to be true because the Bible says in Romans that they began to worship created things. God help me. Rather than the creators. So some of these Greek gods and these Babylonian gods and these Egyptian gods are actually angelic manifestations that the wickedness of the human mind began to worship because they could see them and they could not see God. The Bible tells us that Moses says anybody could have an angel with them. But we got to be different from them because you got to go with us and is there anybody here that can say like Moses I don't just want a hand out but I want his hand on I want God to go with me God help me I don't want to go into the dark places of life the dark rooms of life the unknown circumstances of life without God holding my hand I want God's hand to be with me but why does he say his hand his hand his hand his hand his hand God help me oh God I ain't got time to preach it I got more notes then I got a message once again. Uh, but the Bible says, he says that your hand would be with me. Lord, help me. Oh, God, you got to understand the beauty of the Hebrew Masoretic text to understand the depth of the prayer. Uh, because this is a prayer that only a boy without a father would pray. Uh, this is a request, oh, God, for paternal affirmation. God, help me. Uh, that the father would give the blessing of the right hand. God, help me. To his son. God, help me. Oh, God, when we ordain ministers, when we consecrate bishops, uh, Mike, we are told not to lay our left hand upon them. God, help me. Uh, but to touch them with our right hand. God, help me. Uh, because the right hand of the Father is what communicates the blessing. And so when Jabez asked the Lord to give him his hand, uh, this little boy in the hood uh, who grew up without a daddy uh, is asking God to be what his daddy was not uh, so that he can have the affirmation he needs uh, to be everything that God is calling him to be. He says, your hand got to be with me. I need the world to know that I do have a father, that I'm not an orphan, that I'm not by myself, that my daddy wasn't there, but your hand was with me. Oh, God, I got to quit. He asked God, he, Jabez asked the Lord. Uh, 
to give him a mind-blowing blessing. To grace him with his divine hand. But not only does he ask God to give him a mind-blowing blessing and to grace him with his divine hand. But then thirdly, and I'm in my seat, he asked God to grant him a nature that is greater than his name. Uh, here it is. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. And enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me. And that you would keep me from evil. That I might not cause pain. Uh, uh, so that I won't do. Keep me from evil. So that I won't do what my name Tiffany says I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to abide bodily. Yeah. I, I don't want to live by the label. Now, if you read the text too quickly, it, it seems like Jabez is repeating himself. Because in the previous movement of the verse, he asked God that his hand would be with him. And we understand biblically that the hand of God is the, is the permission of God, is the affirmation of God, it is protection of God, right? Now, he says, uh, your hand be with me. God, I want you to protect me. But the hand of God is there to protect you from external forces that would try to disrupt your destiny. Yeah, the, the hand of God is there to keep you from enemies outside of you that would try to disrupt what God is doing in you. But when he asked the Lord to keep him from evil, he is not asking the Lord to protect him from external enemies. He is asking God to protect him from the things that are on the inside of him. God help me. Uh, that would feed into the label that he has been given and disrupt his destiny by causing him to act out of the character that God is trying to lead him into. So when God tells him, keep me from evil, God help me. Uh, he's saying, Lord, there is something on the inside of me. There is a nastiness or rather a naughtiness in my nature. God help me. Uh, that the devil is trying to bring out of me. And I need you to deal with something that's on the inside of me. So that I don't do what the label says I do. Yeah. Uh, Lord, I know that my name means that I cause pain. But I'm asking you to keep me from evil. God, help me. Uh, keep me from evil. God, help me. And this, is there anybody here uh, that can admit that just like Jabez, you've got some nastiness in your nature? God, help me. Uh, God, that your, that your prayer is not just keep evil away from me. But it's keep me from evil. God, help me. Keep, keep me from doing evil. Keep me from being the person that I know I couldn't be when ain't nobody watching me. And ain't no YouTube clips playing of sermons that I like when I got to deal with myself by myself. When I've got to deal with loneliness and I got to deal with lust and I've got to deal with temptation. There is something, Lord have mercy, on the inside of me that I've got to deal with. But God, keep me from evil. 
And even though I want to give somebody some good news today, even though we might have some naughtiness and some nastiness in our natures, I'm glad that we serve a God who is able to keep us from giving in to our depravity. He can keep us from evil. God, help me. I know you don't believe it, but Jude says it this way. I give you uh, this benediction every week now unto him who is able not to pick you up when you fall. God, help me. But he's able to keep you. God, help me. He's able to keep you from falling. You don't have to fall down if you don't want to. Every time you fall into sin, you make a decision to disobey God and to obey the nastiness in your nature. But the beauty of God is that he's able, God help me, to keep you. Do me a favor and touch somebody and tell them he's able to keep you. Yeah, he's, he's able to keep you. Oh, God. Uh, but I have to introduce some New Testament gospel into the parameters of this Old Testament text because Jabez says that God is able to keep him from evil, but he doesn't tell us how God is able to keep him from evil because in the Old Testament, the keeping power of the Holy Ghost that indwells within every believer had not yet come to live within us. It landed upon us, but it did not live within us. So Jabez did not have the power within him to be kept from evil. So then how does God, Lord help me, keep us from evil? He keeps us from evil by changing our nature. Even though our outside does not change. Our insides change. Uh, let me help you. Uh, uh, my wife uh, likes to clean and she was raised by a mother who likes to clean. And uh, her mother who likes to clean uh, comes from a little small town in Mississippi. And uh, if you're from the South, then you know that for real, there's only one product you use for your house. You use it to kill bugs. You use it to clean your house. You use it to wash your dishes. Or you use it to wash your white clothes. It's called bleach. Yeah. Some of y'all nasty. You ain't seen bleach in your house. And yea, the Lord is saying unto you now, clean thy house with bleach. Even on this afternoon. Uh, Flu season is running rampant in the land because the saints useth not bleach. Hear, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, so, so my wife, every now and then, uh, she'll buy cleaning products from the store. And uh, because, uh, to say the least, uh, Mike, I do not clean as often as my wife does, uh, to say the least. Uh, I'll remember that there was a cleaning product in a bottle. And so I'll go to the cabinet to get the bottle with the cleaning products that she brought from the store in it because it got like a nice little forest rain smell or, or lavender lily smell. And I'll grab the bottle and my wife will say, hey, don't use that. It's bleach in that bottle. Now what blows my mind is when I look at the bottle, the label on the bottle has not changed. But my wife has changed the contents of the bottle. So now the bottle is able to serve a different purpose. God help me. Because even though the label has not changed, the contents have changed. God help me. Can I help somebody in the building? The way that God helps to keep you from evil is he might not change your outsides. You might still look like that girl from around the way. You might still look like that boy from the hood. You might still look like the person you used to be. But he'll change the contents of your life so that something in you is different. Is there anybody here? who knows that he will change the contents of your life.
<sighs> I got to quit. Uh, Jabez says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. That you would enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me. To keep me from evil. That I might not cause pain. Jabez prays and asks the God of Israel to lift him beyond his labels. He asks God to bless him. Indeed, God help me. But what shouts me about 1 Chronicles chapter 4 is not the prayer of Jabez. Uh, we've written books and we've preached sermons and we've taught Bible studies about the prayer of Jabez. But the prayer of Jabez is not what shouts me. What shouts me is God's response to the prayer of Jabez. God help me. Because the Bible says that after Jabez prayed, God help me, God granted him, Lord help me, what he requested. God help me. Now notice that the text does not say and God. God help me granted him what he requested but it says so God Lord help me granted him what he requested I know y'all are saying Pastor Josh why are you arguing semantically the difference between and and so but and you have to understand grammatically indicates that there was a change in nature that God responded in response to Jabez's Jabez prayer but when the Bible says so God granted and not and God granted the Bible the Bible is teaching us that it was already God's intention Lord help me to move Jabez past the point of his label that God already wanted God help me to bless Jabez indeed he was just waiting on Jabez to open his mouth and ask for the blessing and I want somebody to know in the building today that it's already the will of God for him to change your story I want somebody to know in here today if you've got a label hanging over your life and that label is causing you pain and you've been asking God to change it the word over your life is this God help me your request is about to be granted God help me y'all don't want to praise them in here do me a favor now grab somebody by the hand it's your turn to preach you might not ever get this mic to preach a sermon but preach to your neighbor now and tell them your request God help me y'all ain't saying nothing tell them your request has has been granted everything you've prayed for tell him everything you've cried for everything you've asked God for is getting ready to be granted if you believe it I dare you to open up your mouth and give God a praise right now I say give God a praise right now give God a praise because your request has been See, some of y'all haven't asked God for anything. But if that's you, I dare you to give God praise. Because he's about to grant your request. Some of you have been asking God for a big blessing. And I want you to know that God is getting ready to grant your request. That you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. That you would keep me from evil. Yes, Lord. Is there anybody here that can say I need God to enlarge my territory?
territory because he's the God of Abraham. He's the God of the one who lied and said his wife was his sister. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of the absentee father who let his two sons start war against each other. He's the God of Jacob, the trickster and the serpent who had his name changed to Israel. He's the God of Jabez, the one whose mother said I bore him in pain. But he's not just the God, the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. He's not just the God of Jabez, but he is the God that will give us justice for Trayvon, restitution for Tamir. He'll give us peace in the midst of the storm. Is there anybody here that can say he's my God? He's fighting for me. Yes, God. And you can't be afraid to ask him to give you more. Is there anybody here who can testify and say, I need God to give me more. I need God, yes, Lord, to give me more. Bless me indeed and enlarge, enlarge my territory. Y'all don't hear me, but Paul said, you're serving a God that is able to bless you indeed. But Paul didn't say that he could bless you indeed. In Ephesians 3.20, he says it this way. Now unto him who is able, yes, Lord, to keep you, to keep you from fault. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Jude 24. He said, now unto him, that's it, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask a thing. Y'all ain't happy yet. He says, you serve a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask a thing. If you know it today, I dare you to act like it. Stop thinking so small. Stop believing so small. Write out your business plan. Put together your website. Print your business card. Apply for school. Write it down and make it plain. Because whatever you think about, he's able. Yes, sir. Take them by the hand. Tell them, neighbor, stop thinking so small because your small thoughts are offending God. Say, neighbor, stop believing for things that you can do all by yourself. Do what you can do and trust God to do the impossible. 
trouble because God 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 He specializes yes God in things that seem impossible He's going to work it out He's going to work it out say it say it say it to tell you one more thing. The Bible says that Jabez is in the lineage of a tribe called Judah. God, help me here. The reason why this lineage is important is because a few generations after Jabez, the Bible tells us that there was a man in the lineage of Jabez named David. And David, just like Jabez, has some issues in his nature that almost cause him to lose everything that the Lord has given him. But the Bible says in Psalm 51 that when David messed up before God instead of calling on other people, he calls out to the Lord. He looks back at the example, the example of Jabez and he remembers that if I've got some nastiness in my nature if I get caught up looking at Bathsheba on the rooftop I don't have to throw away my destiny but I remember that my great great grandfather Jabez called on God and God changes story now you might not be able to shout over Jabez but you know good and well that you nasty like David you've done some things that should have destroyed your life but instead of leaving you to have what you did and to deal with what you did God changed he changed your story is there anybody here is there anybody here I said is there anybody here in the building today who believes that God will change your story. You might not be able to shout about David, but I got one more for you. There was a man, yes, God, named Jesus, who was mislabeled, racially profiled in the streets of Palestine. They marched him up a hill called Calvary. They labeled him despised and rejected stricken and afflicted and because they had mislabeled him Isaiah says he was wounded God help me y'all ain't happy for my transgressions he was bruised yes God for my iniquities that the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by our stripes or by his stripes we are healed can I tell you one more thing that after they beat him and put him on that cross they mislabeled him one last time they said he was dead and he didn't 
was three days late. He rose again with all power in his hand. Ain't God all right? And if God can deliver Jabez from pain, if God can deliver David from sin, if God can deliver Jesus from death, then surely, 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 he can deliver you. What's your ailment? What's your problem? What do you have that you need God to lift you up out of? They called you a lesbian, but God is able to lift you up above your label. They called you a homosexual, but God is able to lift you up beyond your label. They called you a whoremonger, but God is able to lift you up beyond your label. They called you a cheat. They called you a gossip. They called you judgmental. They called you rude. They said you weren't marriage material, but God is able to lift you up beyond your label. God will do it for you. I got to get out of here. Y'all are tired of me, and I didn't mean to preach this hard. Two weeks in a row, my mother called me and told me after she saw my children on Facebook lying on the floor, saying they was imitating some preacher that got on the floor in his robe last week. I have no idea who they were talking about, but my mama called me and said, son, you need to watch yourself. Don't preach so hard every single week. She said, you got to save some so you don't wear yourself out. So I'm going to be obedient to my mama when I tell you this. You might be waiting on God to do something that it seems is impossible. But I'm reminded of a song my mother taught my sister that she used to sing before my daddy preaches. She would say, have you any rivers that seem uncrossable? Y'all young folk don't know that. Have you any mountains you can't seem to tunnel through? Well, God specializes in things that seem impossible. 